This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Quick warning here at the top. Jordan Weissman and I are going to talk about tax policy, and he tried to spice it up by dropping a few F-bombs. This conversation is going to be about an economist. Yes, an economist. Because right now, this guy's ideas are hot, even sexy. Exactly the kind of guy Slate's Jordan Weissman loves to talk about. Is there such a thing as a sexy economist? Well, is there? Let me think. There have been a few. I'm not going to name them. This economist is French, too. He's young. He's like in his oh, 30s, he's right? 30, I think he's 32. He's, he might be a year younger than me. Whoa. He might be 33. We're, we're roughly the same age. He's vastly more accomplished. And this French economist, he's right at the center of the Democratic presidential campaign. His name is Gabriel Zuckman. Tax on the richest Americans joining us now. Gabriel Zuckman, he helped design Senator Warren's tax plan as a co-author. Zuckman has spent a lot of his career talking about inequality. What I'm saying is that the reality of American society is that poor, cash-constrained people pay a lot of taxes. But one of the, the He also got really well known for his work on tax evasion um, and tax avoidance by multinational corporations and who was hiding money in the Bermudas. I mean, he, he ended up getting on the cover of um, on the cover of Business Week actually this year mm-hmm. for that, which for an economist is like you know landing on the front of Vogue. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's like you. You're on you've the cover landed. of Business Week. Like if if the Business Week folks are, are putting you as your cover model, you've you're good. Um, <laughs> So and they called they called him the wealth detective. But what makes Gabriel Zuckman so hot is what he wants to do with that wealth. Now that he's tracked it down, he wants to tax it. And yes, it's time for a wealth tax. This is Elizabeth Warren talking about the wealth tax. Bernie Sanders wants one too. Even the more moderate Democrats haven't ruled this idea out. You can tell why if you keep watching this Warren rally. As soon as she mentions this tax, it's not just that the crowd goes wild. They start chanting, two cents. Yes, that is a two cent tax on fortunes over $50 million. Your first 50 million, don't worry, you're in the clear. But for your 50 million and first dollar, you gotta pitch in two cents. And two cents for every dollar after that. Just two cents. So today on the show, we're going to talk about the economic reasoning behind all this excitement. Because the economist pushing this tax, Gabriel Zuckman, his ideas sound good, but a lot of people disagree with him. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. That economist we were talking about, Gabriel Zuckman, he and his co-authors have become known for releasing these charts, charts that go viral. Him and his colleague or co-author, Emmanuel Saez, were the guys behind all those charts showing the, the skyrocketing incomes of the 1% since the essentially the late 70s. Sounds like good content. Yeah, very good content. I mean, that was the stuff that kind of fueled Occupy Wall Street. You know, you remember we are the 99% versus the 1%. And now Zuckman is out with a new chart. This one is about taxes. And what it shows, what they claim to have found, is that the 400 richest Americans now, well, the 400 wealthiest Americans now pay a lower tax rate than the bottom 50% of the country, hmm. right? So what they found is that- How low are we talking? So richest 400 Americans pay a 23% tax rate, about, right? And the bottom 50% pay a 24.2% tax rate, they find, okay? I mean, 24 and 23, Yeah, it seems like it's within the margin of error. Yeah. And what, but the idea is horrifying. The idea is horrifying. And what really does make it is like the, the crossing point was, they think, is 2018, the year of the Trump tax cut that, you know, the, the rate that multi-billionaires were paying had been declining over time and then sort of flattened out at a pretty low rate that was still above what the middle class were paying. And then finally, after the big corporate tax cut and everything in 2018, it just dropped below. I think that's what makes it so viral is like, you do get that crossing point where all of a sudden the billionaires are paying less than the middle class. To understand this finding, you have to know that Zuckman and his collaborator, a guy named Emmanuel Saez, they've got a very specific way of looking at the economy and adding up who pays how much. Ordinarily, when we talk about taxes and how much people pay, it's the federal the federal taxes, right? Those that's what you hear about for the most part. Federal and federal taxes, most people agree, are pretty progressive overall. Hmm. Like you know, progressive the, meaning the that as you more. make more money, you pay more. Yeah, exactly. Um, what they want to do is they they, they want to look at the entire American tax system, all the way from the federal to the state to the local. I mean, they're talking about everything from the corporate income tax and individual income taxes and capital gains to payroll taxes to sales taxes. I mean, they want to look at all of the taxes Americans pay, and then they want to try and put that in the context of the entire economy. They use kind of the same numbers that people use to generate GDP to look at how much income people have. And the point they make is yeah. that if you look at things like sales taxes right. or income taxes, they end up hitting the poor harder. Right. And so you need to account for those things. But then the other thing that they do is they don't account for things like the earned income tax credit. So yep. stuff like when you make less money and you get a lot of money returned to you by the government, they don't count that. Well, so you're hitting on like one of the big 
things that are, all the economists are fighting about right now. Like this is like what like the aha thing that people are. And honestly, I think that I kind of disagree with them on this. Like I, I kind of I kind of take the critics side on on this issue. But yeah, I mean, you brought up the earned income tax credit, right? And this is a really important part of the tax code, central to middle class Americans or lower middle class Americans, really. A lot of upper middle class don't think about it. And what it is, is it's it's refundable, right? Essentially, it is a tax credit. And if it's worth more than you actually owe to the IRS, you get back the rest in cash. So if you only owe like $1,000 and your earned income tax credit is worth $3,000, you'll get the $2,000 back, given, given certain circumstances. Again, these numbers are kind of made up. So most people would think of that as lowering your taxes. Some people would say that person paid a negative tax rate. Now to get like into the weedsy part that I swear to God, you can forget after I've said it, but just so you can feel like you've, you've had a taste of what economics reporters have been dealing with for weeks now. Um, essentially, Zayas and Zuckman don't actually really count that refundable Why? portion as a tax break. What they count it as is a transfer, like food stamps or something. They say it's the same thing as a cash payment you get from the government that's like, or a welfare check or a, a, or a SNAP benefit, something along those lines. But a lot of other tax economists are saying, no, 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 this thing is part of the tax code and it's actually intended purpose. The reason this thing was passed was to offset payroll taxes. It is meant to do that. That is what it was designed for. And so counting people's payroll taxes towards their tax burden if they got the EITC is like totally misunderstanding how the U.S. tax system was designed and et cetera, et cetera. This is the kind of disagreement. And if you do believe the critics, right, if you do think their critics are right, then it actually lowers the tax rate. The bottom 50 percent are paying by a bit, like maybe three, four percentage points, something along those lines. And suddenly the viral graph doesn't look quite as viral. Hmm. The reality is this question of how much taxes do people pay is is hard to answer. And the way they approach it is different. And they, they will tell you they are trying to come up with a new technique. That is their thing is coming up with new techniques ways to look at this problem or these problems about how much income pe do people have and how much taxes do they pay that they think are an improvement over old techniques and may or may not be, but they think are. So Zuckman and his co-author took this new way of thinking about the economy and made a bunch of plans. The wealth tax is just one of their ideas. They'd also like to see corporate tax reform. People have figured out how to stop paying the corporate tax by freaking incorporating in Bermuda and, you know, Ireland and whatnot. And we have this entire international tax system that just is designed to allow companies to kind of evade it, to evade paying what they owe. And that's sort of a policy choice, right? There's no reason that we couldn't have had trade deals that said, actually, we're all going to agree on a minimum tax rate and figure out a way to enforce it around the world. And countries that won't agree to go along with it are going to face sanctions. The thinking here is... There's no reason we couldn't have trade deals with other countries that would just say, we're going to agree on a minimum tax rate for corporations and enforce it around the world. Plug the leaks, right? That's what they would say. Here, they, they have a bunch of suggestions to plug the leaks to keep the money from, from getting out of the country and from all the countries. Because, again, it's, it's disappearing into these tax havens. And that is, I, you know, that's sort of what they're building to politically, part of what they're building to politically. And then the other thing is this wealth tax where they're saying, here's the proper way to go at billionaires, which is tax the wealth. If you really want to get at like Bloomberg, Koch Brothers, Jeff Bezos-esque moolah, you've got to go at the wealth. Can you tell a story of like, here's how it would work? Like, let's say you are Jeff Bezos or you are... Well, if you're Jeff Bezos, I mean, actually, let's let's say if you're like Mike Bloomberg, right? So, He's so, very opposed to this plan. Yeah. And so one of the questions that like has come up is like, okay, what do you do with 
private companies that aren't there isn't really a market value for, right? Like in order to tax wealth, you have to decide how much wealth somebody has, which is all fine and good in theory, but some things are really some assets are really hard to value. How do you value a private company that you know that doesn't have shares selling? How do you value that painting in the closet? Like that 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 Picasso you have hanging on your private yacht? Like, well, it hasn't gone up to auction yet. So what do you think it's actually worth? Like, you know, these are th- these are tricky things. Right. Um, you look at Mike Bloomberg, he's got businesses and charities and horses and all sorts of things <laughs> that you need to value if you're gonna understand his wealth. Yeah, how much is that bearskin rug he's got in the apartment? <laughs> What's that going for? Um and so, you know, these are questions that they have to answer. It's like, how are you going to implement this? And so for Mike Bloomberg, it might be like, well, the, you know, they say, okay, well, there's going to be an IRS unit that's in charge of trying to evaluate these companies and like assess the the worth of Bloomberg LP, whatever. And um, suddenly you are getting hit with this wealth tax. You might have to sell off some of your equity and relinquish control in order to pay it off. That's like his new reality is like he's got to debate like whether to sell pieces of his company or just pay the cash, um, which obviously is really unappealing to. It's <laughs> kind of ingenious. Yeah. I it's mean, like don't pay us in cash, pay us in stock then and we'll just take control of your company. Or, bit sell, by bit. or sell it off to whoever right. else. Um, you know, so sell us some equity instead. Hmm. Um, and this is this is the flip side is that um, having the IRS go in there and actually force people to decide how much they are worth and, you know, uh, assess the value of their assets would give us a better sense of of all these academic questions, right? Once you actually start taxing something, we can record all the wealth and actually finally know we don't have to have methodological debates about whether or not you're tracking or uncovering this stuff correctly. Instead, you can just, uh, you know, look at the data. Let's talk about some of the criticisms of a wealth tax, Yeah, which is something that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are both advocating for. Yeah. So one criticism is that other countries have tried this. Yeah. And they've immediately pulled it back. Or not immediately, but quickly pulled it back. That happened in Denmark, happened in France. Yeah. Why isn't that an argument against this idea? I mean, you know, a lot of countries try things. It doesn't work. Try it again. Switzerland still has its wealth tax. It's smaller than what, you know, Warren is proposing. But it wasn't necessarily implemented ideally and you try to learn from failure like that's kind of that's the honest answer right these guys tried it it didn't work they you know also there's sort of in the last couple decades there's been a, a pretty strong uh anti-tax streak in ascendant in europe um you know among like eu technocrats just because it fell out of favor there doesn't mean we couldn't try it here that's part of what, you know, Warren and Bernie and also, you know, Sizes and Zuckman are arguing now is that, you know, you try to learn from history. Um, I was interested to read that the fact that these wealth taxes had gone away, it yeah. was strategic on some countries' parts where yeah. they, they said, we'll get rid of this wealth tax because rich people don't really like it. And the idea is that then we know there will be some rising inequality. We don't love that, but it'll boost the economy. Rich people will come here and they'll create jobs. Yeah. Well, part of the problem for Europe is also that you can just like fucking move anywhere. That's like, you know, like, right. You can just become a tax refugee really easily. And European countries don't reach out and tax their citizens wherever they happen to live. That's what makes the U.S. different is that wherever you go, unless you give up your citizenship, we will tax you or we'll try to tax you. And so the in Europe, there is this element of tax competition. Back in the U.S., the biggest criticism of a wealth tax is that it would be hard to do. The IRS would need to staff up, find people to appraise all this wealth. And it would also be hard politically. 
not just because lots of people with deep pockets oppose this kind of tax. Though that's true. For Democrats, embracing a wealth tax means thinking about money in a new way. Back when he was running for president, Bill Clinton reportedly said having more millionaires would make the world a better place. A wealth tax, that is a whole different idea. That was the late 90s. That was when being rich was good. Everyone was getting rich. Everything was great. We had like, like, you know, the new economy. Um, we've now had 20 years since then. And we've had a lot of years of economic research by the likes of Zayas and Zuckman showing that, you know, the rewards of the economy and our, our wealth is concentrating at the top. And there's been a lot of frustration over that. There's a lot of frustration that a few people seem to be benefiting so outrageously, while a lot of people can't afford their medical bills now. But I don't think there's good evidence that this has gotten more politically feasible. Uh, well, it's gotten it's popular. Like I mean, it polls well. Like there's like a, I think it's like a seventy percent approval rating or something for Warren's plan. Like when people, I'm, that'll probably go down just because of like partisan salience. Like once people once they realize that this is Elizabeth Warren's plan, like more people will, you know, oppose it. But most people think, as a matter of fairness, the rich should pay more. That's a constant in polling that everyone thinks the rich should pay a higher share. And the way you target the rich is by going after wealth. There's only so much money you can raise by taxing their income because they're good at deferring it. This last point is important. The reason a wealth tax is so novel and advocates say so vital is because taxing income, which is what we do now, it's hit a bit of a wall. The bulk of many wealthy people's net worth is locked up in investments well out of the IRS's reach. And as long as that's the case, all that money... It's just making more money. And the inequality gap, it's getting worse. To me, the idea of a wealth tax is it's a little bit like single payer. It's a really good focusing mechanism for like, okay, how do we get at this kind of money? How do we get at capital? At, you know, how do, we, how, how do we get at these fortunes? Um, and maybe the actual proposal is, you know, a little bit sci-fi, a little bit fantasy, but it, it also has encouraged a lot of thinking about other ways to do it. And you're actually seeing politicians and other academics saying, well, OK, a wealth tax is impractical for XX and X reasons because no one's going to be able to evaluate this and people are going to hide it this way. But here are things we can do with capital gains taxes. Right. I mean, so it's an Overton window argument. A little bit of an Overton window argument. But I think it's it's not just over. It's like a focusing. It focuses people. It says it gets people to not just rethink the possible, but it gets them to care about the topic and saying, OK, well, if we if we can't quite do this, but it has a really noble goal, how can we kind of get at that goal in a way that's a little bit more feasible? Jordan Weissman, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for this. Have me on for this weed whacking journey. Jordan Weissman covers the economy and business for Slate. All right, that's the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Mary Wilson, Daniel Hewitt, and Mara Silvers. I'm Mary Harris. Catch me on Twitter. I'm at Mary's Desk. And see me back here tomorrow. You know, I've been joking that, like, Elizabeth Warren, at the D if she's the nominee, should just show up at, like, the DNC with, like, with, like paper planes playing. <laughs> that should be her walk-up. I know it's 9 to 5, but I think, like... I think some MIA, like, you know, take your, all I want to do is take your money. Like, yeah. That's sort of. That's her jam. I feel like that would, it would be, she should at least do a web video, like, with it. If anyone's out there, 
please, please, please do it humor, for Jordan. Humor me. Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.